And you're listening to Louisiana Considered here on WWNO New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge. I'm Patrick Madden. On the show today, discussing a push by some Republican officials in in Louisiana to narrow the definition for who counts as black for voting map purposes. And the effort to make homes in Mandeville more resilient to flooding is highlighted by a Marketplace report. We'll have that story later on in the show. But first, it's Friday and we talk politics with Stephanie Grace. Stephanie, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy New Year. So, Stephanie, I'm going to try to pull up the sound from the Uh uh, house floor right now. Something's Uh, happening. We've been talking about it right before we went on the air because we're going to talk about Steve Scalise as a potential dark horse to to emerge as as a potential speaker because we've been watching what's been happening here with uh, Kevin McCarthy in this uh, protracted house speaker election uh, that's been happening here. um, Stephanie, have, can you Ryan. give us sort of an update of, of what's happening right now? Well, it seems Salazar. that a number of people who have been holdouts on McCarthy are switching. Salazar. They're in the middle of uh, yet another vote. Uh, we just have to get to the end. It depends. Some might Jeff vote Price. present. Um, there's Sanchez. at least one key vote person early in the alphabet who didn't vote, so they're going to come back to him. Sanchez. But things seem to be moving. This could be... This could be McCarthy's Santos. moment, and what a moment it McCarthy. will be! <laughs> Not doesn't really feel like much of a triumph, does it? It's 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 taken a while. It reminds me sort of the the if you ever watched the movie Tin Cup when when the golfer he just keeps trying to hit the ball and it keeps going right into the the pond. Um, Stephanie, I mean, while this vote happens, though, uh, yeah. Steve Scalise, I mean, he, he's been talked about someone who... who sure. And, and, you know, very studiously not Schneider. talking himself. But it yeah. really has seemed to me and Bolton. I think to many other people that if Jeffries. McCarthy could Schneider. not pull this off, the kind of Jeffries. obvious person to step Schweiger. up would be Steve Scalise. He's second in McCarthy. the kind of batting order. You know, he's next next man up, I guess, yeah, as you would say yeah. in basketball or football. Um, he, he has a better relationship David with Scott. a lot of these conservatives Jeffries. than McCarthy does. You know, he's kind of Scott. a little bit more ideologically kind of in their camp. He, you know, with some of the Trump stuff, he almost kind of was was the key, was a key figure in bringing the kind of the mainstream Republicans over to this Freedom Caucus worldview, kind of forced McCarthy's hands, I thought, in a number of key times. Um, and and he's better liked personally. There's that too. So you know, but one thing that's so interesting that's been happening is that you know these this kind of rebel group has been trashing him too, mm. um, as two establishment. There's a guy named Charlie Kirk who's a a podcast host who's very kind of in the in the Trump world. He had this crazy rant the other night where he said that Steve Scalise is a liberal compared to Kevin McCarthy, which I think all the people who are in Steve Scalise's district would be very surprised to hear. Um, and and so Stephanie, as we watch the the and listen for the votes as they come in, let's just turn quickly to the other big political news in sure. Louisiana this week. Uh, Senator John Kennedy deciding he will not throw his hat in the ring for governor. Right. He's actually going to go ahead and be a senator for six years. The same, you know, as he the job he ran for just in November. Um, maybe not a huge surprise, only because Kennedy kind of has a history of doing this, of kind of teasing that he's going to get into a governor race and then not doing it. But it does leave a a big hole there because the way this race is shaping up, there's Jeff Landry, who is, you know, the kind of right flank culture warrior. 
has um, the endorsement of the state Republican Party, which is very controversial at this point because there are a lot of other major Republicans looking at it. And, um, you know, there's kind of an opening for the quote, any, you know, what's, what's going to be the anybody but Landry person. So again, that could have been John Kennedy. Now we don't know. It could be Billy Nungesser, the Lieutenant Governor, who is going to announce next week, he said, um, whether he'll run for governor or his old job. State Treasurer John Schroeder, same thing. Garrett Graves is still out there. He's the congressman from Baton Rouge who, I don't know if people have seen him on the, the you know, the roving C-SPAN cameras now that they're free to, you know, kind of get different angles because there's there are no rules in the house until we have a speaker. Mm. So if you saw him, you saw that he's grown a giant beard, which is a very different look for him, but he's been there. Um, and and not saying anything, but he is someone who I think a number of people would probably like to see step up. Um, don't know. I mean, at this point, kind of who, you know, if the Republican field ends up being very fractured, that it that helps the rest of the Republican field. I should say that helps Landry. And if the Democrats put up a strong candidate that they're still talking about trying to do. Uh, a new name surfaced this week, Katie Bernhardt, who's the chair of the state party. Um, you know, that will bleed off Republicans. It, you know, it's so interesting. I think if we if we had a system like Alaska that, you know, that right. and, and called ranked choice voting that yep. is becoming kind of a movement around in different parts of the country, Billy Nungesser could win easily because he would be, a, you know, he'd probably be the second choice of the Landry voters and also the Democratic voters. Um, but we don't have that. We have this open primary that often tends to favor the extremes. So you might have somebody in the middle who would be broadly acceptable, but that person can't get into the runoff. All right. And so, so I don't know. I mean, this is, this is all hell breaking. <laughs> really with and the, you know, it could be, you know, it could be a scenario where someone we're not even talking about could catch on. Don't know. And again, that, that happens. We still have a ways to go uh, for Almost that to year. happen. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna pull back the uh, Turner. Speaking of C-SPAN, we can get Parker. a little bit of what's happening on the House floor right now. Where Underwood looks Jeffries. like McCarthy's at 190 with uh, looks okay. like seven Four. votes again. McCarthy. So so probably not this round, but seems to be Van making Drew. progress. It's moving, yeah. So, um, I don't know. Of course, this Van means Dine. Steve Scalise would be the number two McCarthy. in a very weakened leadership, um, Republican leadership. Um, you know, it's good for our area Jeffries. to have somebody in that position of prominence. Beckins. It's good to have somebody who works Jeffries. despite his kind of very hard ideological, ideological kind of stances on, on a lot of issues. He is somebody who does work across the aisle on issues of local importance. Um, you know, flood insurance is always a big issue for people in our area, hurricane aid, things like that. And, um, you know, he's not, he's in his fifties. He, you know, I mean, this doesn't mean he's never going to be speaker. Well, Stephanie, we'll I have mean, to I don't know that people are looking at Kevin McCarthy saying, you know, that guy's the next Nancy Pelosi. Right. Well, Stephanie, we'll have to keep watching this. Uh, uh, thank you for joining us here on Louisiana considered. Thank you very much. And this is Louisiana Considered here on WWNO and WRKF. I'm Patrick Madden. 
Louisiana is at the forefront of, of issues and political battles over redistricting and whether the current uh, voting maps unfairly dilute the political power for the state's black residents. But now, as NPR reporter Hansi Lo Wang recently reported, there's a new push from some Republican officials who want to change how black people are counted and specifically who qualifies as, as black. If the plan is successful, it could shrink the power of black voters in Louisiana and around the country. Here's my conversation with Hansi Lo Wang, who covers voting for NPR. Well, Hansi, first, thank you for being here on Louisiana Considered. Thank you for having me. Uh, Hansi, but before we dive into the specifics of your reporting uh, for this episode of Code Switch um, about this effort to redefine who qualifies as black in Louisiana. Can we take a step back and talk about the the intersection of the U.S. Census, which you have done a remarkable job of covering over the years, and, and this issue of voting rights? Because I think we have to sort of lay the groundwork uh, before getting into some of the specifics of, of what's going on here. Sure. And... Um... I think the thing to remember is that the Constitution calls for uh, a census account of every person living in the country every 10 years. And those numbers, that data about people's racial identity, racial ethnic identity, uh, is used to redraw new voting maps every 10 years for every level of government, including for Congress. And map drawers, oftentimes state lawmakers, as is the case for Louisiana, state lawmakers use the census data to figure out where people are living and draw maps uh, based on that information. And those maps are, are then um, oftentimes scrutinized very heavily uh, to make sure that uh, people's voting rights are, are being upheld and that the voting rights of especially voters of color are not being the voting power of voters of color is not being minimized. That's part of what's known as Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, the Federal Voting Rights Act, uh, a major landmark bill, uh, major landmark law out of the civil rights movement uh, to ensure that the voting strength of people of color is not being diluted. And so what happened after the 2020 census in Louisiana is that a new congressional map was drawn by Republican state lawmakers. And what happened was out of the six new out of the six congressional districts that were drawn, only one is a majority black voting district. And this is in a state where the 2020 census found that nearly one in three people in the state identified as black. And, and so, Hansi, we have this redistricting battle that, that happens every 10 years around the country. But, but as you mentioned, and as you, as you reported on here in Louisiana and in neighboring Alabama, you know, there, there's been an effort to look at this fact that there's, as you just said, one, one third of the state is black, but only one, one out of six congressional districts sort of are a majority black district. And so what's happening here and what's happening in Alabama is that it, it's gone to the, to, to the courts to look at this, right? That's right. Groups of black voters, uh, civil rights groups, including the NAACP, Legal Defense and Educational Fund and other groups have sued challenging these maps and lower federal courts have found uh, that these maps, this map in Louisiana, another map in Alabama, likely violates Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, likely dilutes the voting power of black people. And that meant that state lawmakers in Louisiana were ordered by a lower federal court to redraw a map with more majority black voting districts, congressional voting districts. 
But Republican state officials have appealed that ru- appealed that ruling to the Supreme Court, and ultimately the Supreme Court is still considering these cases out of Louisiana and Alabama, but has allowed for these maps that have already been drawn to be used in this most recent midterm elections. But it is up in the air whether or not these maps will continue to be used going forward. And you're listening to Louisiana Considered here on WWNO and WRKF. We're speaking with Hansi Lo Wang, who covers uh, voting, voting issues, voting rights, census issues for NPR, and has just reported a great story for the podcast and show Code Switch. Um, Hansi, can we talk about the heart of your reporting, which is looking at this effort in Louisiana to, to narrow the, the, the definition of, of who would count um, as voting uh, map purposes. Can you talk about what you found? Well, this is an argument made by Louisiana's Secretary of State uh, in these court proceedings, arguing that they believe that Louisiana shouldn't have, uh, doesn't need an additional majority black voting district, and that these voting rights groups, these group of black voters who are arguing for it, they are only finding that there's a need for more majority black voting districts because they, these Republican officials are saying they're using a wrong definition of blackness, and that they're saying that the only people who should be counted as black when analyzing voting maps are people who, on census forms, either just check off the black box or they check off both black and white. And that's it. Those are the people that should be counted as black, even though there are certainly a lot of other people who also identify as black and check off the box for Hispanic or Latino, who check off the box for Asian or Alaskan Native or American Indian or Pacific Islander. And this is uh, a really an interesting argument because the Supreme Court in 2003 has, back then in 2003, set a standard for who counts as black when we're talking about voting rights lawsuits over voting maps uh, as who counts as black when those voting maps, when this, is, when this is a challenge, focus on exclusively black voters. And what the Supreme Court decided in 2003 was that everyone who checks off the black box, either just the black box or in combination with another box, should count as black in those voting maps. But these Republican officials in Louisiana are pushing back and saying that this standard that the Supreme Court set in 2003 maybe should not necessarily apply to their case in this specific lawsuit because they deal with different parts of the Voting Rights Act. And so this is all uh, really tangled up in this major legal fight right now happening at the Supreme Court. It's part of a much uh, an even broader um legal discussion about whether or not race should even be considered at all when voting maps are drawn. And what Republican officials in Alabama are arguing is that race should not be considered unless there's evidence of intentional discrimination in the map drawing process. And so it is a, a very, it is a, a major legal fight happening. And part of it is this question about who counts as black. Just hearing that, Hansi, I mean, there are tremendous implications, starting with just what happens to to the Voting Rights Act, right? This could have really uh, devastating consequences for, in terms of tools that uh, allow voting rights groups, the federal government, to protect the voting power 
of people of color. Uh, Section two of the Voting Rights Act, which is what is being, um, which which is the focus of these lawsuits, is really the last leg, effectively, of the Voting Rights Act because so much of other parts of the Voting Rights Act has been gutted by earlier Supreme Court decisions, and so if the Supreme Court rules that uh, you know putting aside this question of who counts as black in voting maps, if it rules that race cannot be considered at all unless there's evidence of intentional racial discrimination, effectively, uh, that takes away um, the the use of the Section 2 as a tool to help ensure that when voting maps are redrawn, they're not drawn in a way that would dilute, that would minimize the power of black voters, for example. Uh, and when we're talking about minimizing the power of black voters in this case, it means, you know, our maps being drawn in a way that would make it highly unlikely for black voters to choose a candidate of their choice to represent them in Congress. Mm. And and Hansi, uh, finally, what what what's next in, in this battle right now? Well, it is a very complicated legal case, so uh, legal set of legal cases, I should say. Uh, and so we're waiting for the Supreme Court, uh, which has already heard arguments in the Alabama case, to put out a ruling for this Alabama case. And that could come uh, as late as early July when the Supreme Court, um, by then, the Supreme Court usually has, has ended its term and uh, releases its major decisions by then. And after it puts out a ruling for this Alabama case, it is then set to make a ruling in this related Louisiana case. And so we'll have to see at that point whether or not the Supreme Court touches this question about who counts as black in voting maps. That's NPR's Hansi Lo Wong's story about the push to redefine who qualifies as black for voting map purposes in Louisiana. You can read um, Hansi Lo Wong's uh, a story and listen to uh, the uh, podcast episode on our website. Go check it out. This is Louisiana Considered. I'm Patrick Madden. Across the country, especially in Louisiana, we are already seeing migration due to climate change. But in Mandeville, Louisiana, residents are digging their heels in. And rather than relocate further away from Lake Pontchartrain, many are simply building their homes higher, making them more flood resistant. Amy Scott of NPR's Marketplace has the story. Hop on the narrow Lake Pontchartrain Bridge in New Orleans, drive 35 miles north across the lake, and you'll get to the historic resort town of Mandeville. Right on the shore, just yards from the water, sits a stately white house with an American flag in the front yard. The style is typical Louisiana Creole, with a deep front porch and big black storm shutters. Only what used to be the ground floor is now 15 steps up. Well, y'all come on in and sit down. Can we offer you some... Leonard and Becky Rohrbau own this house. It was built in 1843. It's been in Leonard's family since the early 1900s, and it survived a lot of storms. Well, Katrina was the worst. In 2005, when this house was just three feet off the ground, Hurricane Katrina sent waves from the lake rushing under the house, inches from going inside. The streets just look like pickup sticks, telephone poles, trees, power wires everywhere. It took us 45 minutes climbing up and over and under trees to get to the house to discover that it was still here. 
but the foundation was badly damaged. Then, seven years later, Hurricane Isaac roared through, bringing the lake once again nearly into their house and eating away at the foundation. We said, okay, we got to go up. So up they went. In 2016, they hired a contractor to dig tunnels under the house, lift it with hydraulic jacks, and build a new, higher foundation underneath. And we'd go to a few blocks away to the house where we were renting to stay while this was going on. And every night I would just pray that my house didn't topple over. The whole process took about three months and a quarter of a million dollars, which they covered with some small grants and a low-interest disaster loan. Becky had just retired as a banker. Leonard used to work in the oil industry. They used the space underneath the house for storage. It's covered with a decorative lattice. From the outside, it looks like a totally normal and attractive house. And when Ida hit last year and devastated the region, they fared okay. Lake Pont Strangers flows under our house and out the backyard. And then when this wind's done, it all goes back down into Lake Pontchartrain. Gravity takes over. And that makes it a lot easier to clean up. Mandeville is a charming town, full of historic buildings and the world's oldest continuously operating jazz hall. But in the past few decades, it's faced regular flooding from rising seas and more intense storms. We've had 17 floods in 17 years since Katrina. Roderick Scott is a longtime Mandeville resident and board chairman of the Flood Mitigation Industry Association. He says in the years since Katrina, more than 85 percent of buildings in the lake surge zone have been elevated. Mandeville is the laboratory, and we literally are lifting two or three right now. Uh, Every month, a couple of them go up. At first, as with any lab, he says there were mistakes. We walk by what must have been a cute wooden house now perched way up on these oversized brick columns with cars parked underneath. It's kind of like you're seeing into someone's garage. We've got some ugly ones that came up first, and and we realized right away we didn't want to do that again. Since then, the town has adopted architectural guidelines. Mandeville is a pretty wealthy town, and a lot of homeowners have paid for their own elevations. FEMA grants and a federal loan program starting next year will help others. But with at least a couple feet of sea level rise expected by the end of the century, Scott says moving up only buys so much time. We feel the the rate at which the sea level is rising that we've got two more mortgage cycles at the shore before we have to move buildings back. That's about 60 years. The good news, he says, is once you've lifted a house off the ground, it's easier to move it to a new location in the future. In Mandeville, Louisiana, I'm Amy Scott for Marketplace. And that's going to wrap up Louisiana Considered here on WWNO and WRKF. I'm Patrick Madden. I want to thank... Uh, our earlier guest, Stephanie Grace, we were following the uh, the 12th vote uh, for the next speaker, and we can tell you that that vote has wrapped. Uh, McCarthy did not get uh, enough votes, but he did uh, make more progress in his bid to be the next speaker of the House. 
Uh, this Our managing producer for Louisiana Considered today is Alana Schreiber. Our digital editor is Caitlin Umholtz, engineer Garrett Pittman. I'm Patrick Madden. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at noon and 7.30 p.m. It's also available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to follow what's happening uh, on Capitol Hill, of course, stay with us here at WWNO. And NPR as well will be having those reports from NPR all day as that situation uh, progresses or doesn't progress. We'll be watching it either way. I'm Patrick Madden. This is Louisiana Considered. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience. More at Rouse's.com with additional support from the Sazerac House.